Hello, and welcome to CavernCast. Today the sound might be a little different. I am using one of my old microphones. Um, this is the microphone I used when I started doing ASMR videos a long time ago. Um, because I think the microphone I have been using, uh, I think it, it, it might be a bit damaged. I'm not really too sure. Um, but there was kind of some distortion, um, on the recordings that I would make with it. So, um, I'm going to go back to this one. I'm going to check that one out and see what's going on with it. But for now, we've got this and, uh, it's still chill. It's still relaxing. I hope. I think so anyway. Um, I hope you're well. I hope you've had an alright week. Um, what else is new? Oh, I bought a new guitar. I bought a new guitar and I am very happy. Um, I got to go guitar shopping for the first time in a long time a long periodically time and uh, I bought this beautiful little Ibanez guitar and I'm very happy with it I'm very happy with the things I'm going to be able to do with it it serves every single one of my needs and um, yeah it's been so long since I bought a guitar and I'm really really happy <laughs> anyway if you've not listened to Calvin Gars before what happens is I use a random word generator to generate five random words and then just talk about them. And the first word of today is portrait. And for someone who isn't the biggest fan of art, I actually really enjoy going to museums. Um, I think it's more about being around that much art rather than it is about the art itself, like being a, being surrounded with that much creativity, I think, I think it like charges the meter for me. So for example, some of, if not most of the portraits in the National Portrait Gallery in uh, Trafalgar Square in London, to me, are obviously fantastic as creations. Um, but my reaction is mostly that that is a painting not in a disrespectful way just in a like it doesn't tend to evoke that kind of a, that much of a reaction in me um yeah, i guess but then i'll go to like the tape modern or something and you know there'll be a piece there that does just grab me and um maybe that's how it's supposed to work i don't really know um I went to, I mean, I know that's the case with music and it's all art, isn't it? So, like Subway sandwiches. I went to Kelvin Grove Art Gallery in Scotland and um, there was a piece there that I just ended up sitting in front of for like half an hour. And I had this whole, I had this whole beside myself thing where, um, I was just like, 
You've been looking at this for a long time. Why? And I was like, I don't know, but here we are. I remember in school having to draw a self-portrait. Um, now, not particularly good at drawing me, and also not good at drawing me. <laughs> Language. So, um, I think I gave myself a real complex when I had to do that. Good at songs, not good at drawing my face. Um, probably would have been a more accurate self-portrait if I'd been hit in the face with a shovel just beforehand. But, um, or done like the Simpsons thing of like stepping on the rake. You know, the sideshow Bob thing where he goes, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? If you don't, that's probably really weird. But if you do, solid. You're a real one. Um, I went to Paris when I was like 16. Um, and naturally, like the basic tourist I am, uh, I went to the Louvre to go see the Mona Lisa, and I did, and that was that. I was very um, whelmed, whelmed to underwhelmed, medium whelmed. That's that's what I was. I think that's the thing with most things that are incredibly hyped up when you experience them it's like oh okay apart from Spider-Man No Way Home now that is art I'm going to enjoy experiencing many a time I want to go see the uh, if you follow me on Instagram you'll have you'll have seen this maybe maybe you have maybe you won't but I put up a story about it um I went to the cinema on my own uh I think I said I was going to I can't remember I had this thing like uh, I, I wanted to um go to the cinema on my own and um you know start grabbing 2022 by the balls and doing that kind of thing so I did it was the day I was in London and I was guitar shopping I bought the guitar I was having a good day um so I was in Leicester Square and uh the King's Man has just come out and um ages ago basically my voice is in the film so for those who don't know um as calm as my voice is now, uh, I actually grew up in metal bands and uh, so I learned how to scream and do like really like, you know, hardcore metal vocals from a, from a young age. Um, and I also have a music project now called Echoist um, where I do that kind of stuff, which you can feel free to check out if you want. Uh, just Google Echoist and it'll it'll come up um but i yeah so so it turns out being able to do that for long periods of time without totally wrecking your voice um comes in handy for stuff like films when they when they need people to like scream do like war cries and like ah exactly like that it's a perfect example of, of exactly how i did it um 
So yeah, they needed people who could do that. And so I, I just went in for a day and I was just, you know, screaming my little head off, um, for the day to these wars, to these war scenes in the King's Man. And, uh, yeah, so I went and saw the film and heard my voice. So if any of like the really loud screaming, um, that'll be me. Why was I saying this? Oh yeah, art, experiencing art, going to see the cinema on your own. Going to see the cinema, going to the cinema on your own. That was it. Um, no Way Home. I've got to go see No Way Home again. Um, yeah. What Technically, what is a portrait? A portrait is a painting, photograph, sculpture, or other artistic representation of a person in which the face and its expressions are predominant. Though in a full-length one, the body will take up more space. The intent is to display the likeness, personality, and even the mood of the person. For this reason, in photography, a portrait is generally not a snapshot, but a composed image of a person in a still position. A portrait often shows a person looking directly at the painter or photographer in order to most successfully engage the subject with the viewer. I see you. I see you. I see you looking at me. In literature, the term portrait refers to a written description or analysis of a person or thing. A written portrait often gives deep insight and offers an analysis that goes far beyond the superficial. For example, the American author Patricia Cornwell wrote a best-selling novel, doesn't say novel, I just put the word novel in there, a best-selling book entitled Portrait of a Killer about the personality, background and possible motivations of Jack the Ripper. See, it wasn't even a novel. What am I doing? Fake news. Uh, as well as the media coverage of his murders and his sub and the subsequent police investigation of his crimes. I want to say they figured out who Jack the Ripper was recently. Or maybe that was the Zodiac. In December 1891, James Naismith, a Canadian professor of physical education and instructor at the International Young Men's Christian Association, YMCA, Training school, now Springfield College in Springfield, Massachusetts, was trying to keep his gym class active on a rainy day. He sought a vigorous indoor game to keep his students occupied and at proper levels of fitness during the long New England winters. After rejecting other ideas as either too rough or poorly suited to walled-in gymnasiums, he invented a new game in which players would pass a ball to teammates and try to score points by tossing the ball into a basket mounted on the wall. Naismith wrote the basic rules and nailed a peach basket onto an elevated track. Naismith initially set up the peach basket with its bottom intact, which meant that the ball had to be retrieved manually after each basket or point scored. 
This quickly proved tedious, so Naismith removed the bottom of the basket to allow the balls to be poked out with a long dowel after each scored basket. This was the creation of basketball. The next word. I played a lot when I was younger. Um, a lot of basketball, actually. And played so much horse. Oh my god, I can't believe I didn't talk about that when the word horse came up for the podcast. You know the game where each person does a, a trick shot and if the other person or people uh, in the game can't do it, then they get a letter of horse until they spell the whole thing and then the first person to get all the letters of horse loses. I love that game. We always used to play it while skating as well. We do like skate tricks and if the other person couldn't get a skate trick then they get a letter. You get it. You get it. Basketball was originally played with a soccer ball. These round balls from association football were made at the time with a set of laces to close off the hole needed for inserting the inflatable bladder uh, after the other sewn together segments of the ball's cover had been flipped outside in. Damn. These laces could cause bounce passes and dribbling to be unpredictable. <laughs> Whoa, where's it gonna go? Uh, eventually, a lace-free ball construction method was invented, and this change to the game was endorsed by Naismith. Whereas in American football, the lace construction proved to be advantageous for gripping and remains to this day. The first balls, made specifically for basketball, were brown, and it was only in the late 1950s that Tony Hinkle, searching for a ball that would be more visible to players and spectators alike, introduced the orange ball that is now in common use. Dribbling was not a part of the original game, except for the bounce pass to teammates. Passing the ball was the primary means of ball movement. Dribbling was eventually introduced, but limited by the asymmetric shape of early balls. Oh, those early balls. Dribbling was common by 1896, with a rule against the double dribble by 1898. There are certain violations in basketball where penalties are imposed if made. The ball may be advanced towards the basket by being shot, passed between players, thrown, tapped, rolled, or dribbled, bouncing the ball while running. I'm assuming most of you guys know what dribbling means in basketball, that it isn't just like, bleh, that it's, yeah, bouncing the ball while running, but you never know. So, uh, the ball must stay within the court. The last team to touch the ball before it travels out of bounds forfeits possession. The ball is out of bounds if it touches a boundary line or touches any player or object that is out of bounds. There are limits placed on the steps a player may take without dribbling, which commonly results in an infraction known as traveling, nor may a player stop his dribble and then resume dribbling. A dribble that touches both hands is considered stopping the dribble 
giving this infraction the name Double Dribble. Wasn't that a sweet? Double Dribble. Double Bubble. Dribble Dip Dab. Double. Double Bubble. Double. <laughs> it's like children, people. People, children. Children, people keep on dying. Um, double, no, I don't know. Within a dribble, the player cannot carry the ball by placing his hand on the bottom of the ball. Doing so is known as carrying the ball. A team, once having established ball control in the front half of their court, may not return the ball to the back court and be the first to touch it. A violation of these rules results in loss of possession. The ball may not be kicked, nor struck with the fist. For the offence, a violation of these rules results in loss of possession. For the defence, most leagues reset the shot clock, and the offensive team is given possession of the ball out of bounds. There's some basketball facts for you. I don't have a segue for the next word, so it is concrete. Oh no, I just thought of one. Wow, seems like there's some pretty concrete rules. The next word, concrete. <sighs> moment's gone, moment's gone. Um, one of my favorite phrases ever is slept like concrete. That you say when someone sleeps really, really, really deeply they're just like this sat like concrete they're just sleeping hard yeah slept like concrete i had a housemate who was like that once you could you could yell at the top of your lungs nothing nothing at all i got weirdly nerdy about uh concrete and cement and asphalt when i was when i was younger for a while because um when we used to skate as kids, me and my brush, me and my just trying to bar with my brush, we would always talk about like where the best spots were to do with the ground, which is, I feel like more a UK thing than anywhere else because see over in the UK, it ain't like the States. Y'all got them nice new roads over there. And we are left with uh, the bumps in the old road that make us feel like we've just hit turbulence on a plane. Um, you know, anytime we found like a smooth, like a really nice smooth bit of road, it was like swimming in the calmest lake, man. It was like a meditative experience by perspective. Uh, so with that, as I used to be nerdy about it, let's get sciencey about concrete. Concrete is a composite material composed of fine and coarse aggregate bonded together with a fluid cement that hardens over time. Concrete is the second most used substance. Concrete is the second most used substance in the world after water. What? Really? After water. 
I said, well, no, I guess. Think about all like the, all the concrete in the world. I would have thought it would be like, like mud, like dirt. What the, but concrete is a, concrete is, wait, hang on, how does that work? Because con concrete is like a blend of stuff. It's a composite material, as it just said. Water is just water. I mean, this is Wikipedia. Oh, it does have a reference, but anyway, uh, it's also the most widely used building material. Its usage worldwide, ton for ton, is twice that of steel, wood, plastics, and aluminium combined. Doesn't say anything about dirt, though. Globally, the ready-mix concrete industry, the largest segment of the concrete market is projected to exceed $600 billion in revenue by 2025. This widespread use results in a number of environmental impacts. Most notably, the production process for cement produces large volumes of greenhouse gas emissions, leading to net 8% of global emissions. Jesus. Um, other environmental concerns include widespread illegal sand mining. This isn't science. This is just what it kind of is. Significant research and development is being done to try to reduce the emissions or make concrete a source of carbon sequestration and increase recycled and secondary raw materials content into the mix to achieve a circular economy. Okay. What is this? Mayan concrete at the ruins of Uxmal is referenced in Incidents of Travel in the Yucatan by John L. Stevens. The roof is flat and had been covered with cement. The floors were cement, in some places hard, but by long exposure, broken and now crumbling under the feet. But throughout the wall, was solid and consisting of large stones embedded in mortar, almost as hard as rock. Yeah. So concrete is old school then. Small-scale production of concrete-lung materials was pioneered by the Nabataean traders who occupied and controlled a series of oases and developed a small empire in the regions of southern Syria and northern Jordan from the 4th century BC. They discovered the advantages of hydraulic lime with some self-cementing properties by 700 BC. They built kilns to supply mortar for the construction of rubble masonry houses, concrete floors, and underground waterproof cisterns. They kept the cisterns secret as these enabled the Nabataeans to thrive in the desert. Some of these structures survive to this day. Can you imagine, like, just, in, just imagining, like, Back in the day, like if you came across an oasis, um, say you'd been walking through the desert for days and you came across this oasis that you were like, no, it's totally a mirage. And it, cause it was this massive, just concrete mall. 
It's just this whole shopping complex built out of concrete. And you're like, this is definitely, definitely a mirage. And it's like, no, we just figured out concrete. The only thing unreal is the prices. You know what I mean? Come grab a bargain. That was a weird word. That was a weird journey. Concrete. Let's move on to step. Step. One, two, three. Step. One, two, three. It really says something about me. That that is the first thing that comes into my head, isn't it? I can't even dance. In fact, if it's step, it should be five, six, seven, eight. Get it? Yeah. I'm a big fan of you if you got that. If you didn't, well, then that's just a tragedy, isn't it? I always got five, six, seven, eight, and Cotton Eye Joe mixed up. Go listen. They do sound like the same song. They're very, very similar. I've always had a soft spot for Steps. The band, not, not the, the helpful raised platforms that you traverse to get from a, a low point to a high point. Um, though they do come in handy. I'm not going to lie. Um, when I was in school in London, uh, the tube stop I would get off at every morning had like a 72 step spiral staircase. I think it was 72 steps. Um, and because I was half into fitness and half mad, I would make myself run up them every morning for like 10 months. I don't know why I started. It definitely helped though. Uh, quads is steel, bro. Lactic acid, who? Don't know her. And just to downplay my achievement, what is the, what's the biggest staircase ever? I wonder. Okay, there's an article here by Ken Jennings. The world is full of long stair climbs, but none are longer than Switzerland's Nielsen Treppenlauf. In fact, none come particularly close. Mount Nielsen is one of the Swiss Alps, located about 40 miles south of the Swiss capital of Bern. At 7,700 feet, there are literally hundreds of higher mountains in Switzerland, but Nielsen has been especially prized by Swiss painters like Ferdinand Hodler and Paul Klee for its shape, a pyramid of near-geometric perfection. Its name is the German word for sneeze. Is it Niesen? I hope I've got that right. Anyone from around there, I apologize if I'm butchering it. Especially if you live on that mountain. I'm very sorry if you live on that mountain and you're listening. Let me know if you do, I'll send you something nice. But what he says is um, that more interesting than the lovely chalets and terraces and views, in his opinion, is what runs up the mountain right alongside it. A two-mile staircase with a slope that gets up to a glute grinding. <laughs> Work that is. 65% gradient. There are a world record 11,674 steps up the mountainside. 
enough steps to climb the Burj Khalifa skyscraper in Dubai four times and enough to climb the Statue of Liberty 33 times. So right, to be honest. For safety reasons, the stairs are just used for maintenance and not open to the public, but once a year, 500 lucky participants get to tackle the world's longest staircase climb, the Niesen Treppenlauf. The event is held in June, but even so, it's been cancelled several times in the past due to snow on the staircase. And the record for running up the equivalent of seven Empire State buildings, a remarkable one hour and two minutes. Wow. There's really a part of me that wants to do it. Can you imagine, though, if um, you trained your absolute stones off to to do that and then it's like a bit rainy on the day and they're like nope it's like hot air, like hot air balloon rides if there's if there's like the slightest i said this before if there's like the slightest then they're like nope can't do it i don't know if that one in particular is on the cards for me but i'll tell you what it is the final word card card is on the card. I reckon I should start making cards. I think I have a bit of a penchant for coming up with clever ways with words. Clever ways with words. Except that sentence. Let's forget that one before this turns into the world's most ironic pitch. Because that's not not making the best. <sighs> Did you yawn? I'm going to leave that in because I want to know if it makes you yawn. I think I did that before as well. Oh, he's recycling material now. Um, what, would the mo- what would the world's most ironic pitch be? It'd be like a, like a vegetarian pitching a new meal to KFC, to the KFC board of directors or something. Hang on. No, didn't they do that? <laughs> I think that example came into my head because I actually saw that and I was like, that's ironic. Yeah, they did. The original recipe vegan chicken burger is now available all year round. 4th of January, 2022. Damn. Anyway, have you ever received a really good card? Like I I don't tend to send cards that much because most of them tend to be I don't know. I'm just, uh, they're just a bit, they're just a bit naff. I'd say, although I really like the cards that just say stuff like, this is a card. You know, or just says, it just says the word birthday. Nothing but in black letters on a white background, birthday, straight up. Nothing else. Like, it is your birthday. Just really factual anti-cards, man. They're my jam. That stuff really tickles me. What else is there to do with cards? Bank cards. I'd quite like to get a uh, an entertaining bank card printed, I think. With like handsome Squidward or something. You know, someone's... Or Elmo, maybe. Why is it with Elmo blowing up at the moment? I don't know what is happening. It tastes good when it's put all together. 
onions, garlic, celery, balsamic vinegar. That's a big word for Elmo. It's been going round and round in my head. Um, also, I don't know whether I've, I've spoken about this before. I feel like I need to cover the bases of card because there's a few. So we, we have occasion cards, bank cards, and so playing cards. For ages, like a really long time, I wanted to learn how to do that cool shuffle. You know, the one that's like, it's kind of basic, but it looks really cool. It's the one where you like cut the deck in two, put it down and go like together. And so they're all like, you know, layered on top of each other. And then you grab the deck and then you go, you know, do you know what I mean? So you go that one. It's the best way I can explain it. You know the one I mean though, right? Cat shuffle, the cat purr shuffle. That's what I'm calling it, the cat purr shuffle. Um, yeah, so I've, I always wanted to learn how to do that. And I never did. And I could never do it. Then one day, I stayed up. I was at a friend's and they, everyone had gone to bed. And I stayed up watching that Zac Efron show about him going around the world to see how stuff is made. You know the one? It's really good, actually. But... um yeah, I was sat there just playing with cards because and earlier on in that night I was watching Penn and Teller and I was like, why have I never learned this trick? So I learned it. I just sat there and learned it and I was like, I've never done this before. I've never, I've wanted to do this for so long and I've never actually just sat down and learned how to do the goddamn trick and put time and patience and effort into it. Turns out, if you want to be able to do something, you just learn how to do it. <laughs> I mean, what? <laughs> so there's some life advice for you that you won't get everywhere. Take that to the bank if you want to be able to do something. Just learn how to do it. That's the secret sauce for you. Don't worry about it. Gonna leave you on that gem, I think. Thanks for listening. I hope you've had a good time. Um, I hope you're feeling a bit more chilled than when we first started. Whatever you may be doing. Um, if you want more content, all the socials are Cavan Kingston and bonus content. And in one bonus episode a week is available on my Patreon available at all tiers at patreon.com forward slash Kevin Kingston. That's me. And with that, I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. And I hope you have a good week. And I'll speak to you soon. Okay.